0: Hello and thank you for joining us again We are on episode 2 of MELS Uh, This time we are talking about understanding your wall Uh, As you recall last time we met We talked about tearing down a wall one brick at a time Uh, It was a very brief, general understanding of what constitutes a wall, uh, how to set personal boundaries, taking back your control, and learning how to respond versus react. This time, uh, we're going to get more in-depth understanding your wall. We're going to talk a little bit about the characteristics of your wall. Uh, We're going to talk about circular versus perpendicular walls, manipulation, and um, what it takes to decide whether you're going to keep that wall or get rid of it and once you've made that decision how to move forward. So stick with us and we will be back with you in just a moment. Okay, if you're just joining us, this is Melody on your podcast, Mel's, And today we're talking about understanding your wall. So as you know, last time we met, uh, we were talking about how to tear down a wall one brick at a time. If you did not get to hear that podcast, look at the link below. Uh, I do encourage you to listen to that. Uh, it was a very brief podcast. I believe it was only 15 minutes. This one's going to be more in depth. This one's going to be 30 minutes. Um, but I do encourage you to link back to that because it feeds off of today's topic. They're they're very interchangeable. And like I said before, you know, there's so many di- directions that we could head with this subject matter. And in case you didn't listen to that last one yet, I'm going to explain real quick what that wall is. That wall is something that we defined as an inhibitor, an inhibitor of self. Uh, It could be an abusive inhibitor. It could just be uh, mental slavery, really. You could be the inhibitor or it could be someone else could be internal or external, but essentially this is something that prevents you from being your authentic self. It prevents you um, from standing in your own truth. It, it usually encourages you to constantly doubt yourself uh, and your self-worth, really. So today we're going to talk about the characteristics of the, that wall and not just how to tear it down, but how to recognize it. Uh, okay, because I, I don't want you to go out there just thinking that, uh, oh, everything's a wall. Uh, there are some pretty standardized ways to identify this. Um, usually the characteristics of a wall, first off, uh, let me tell you, can be v- defined very differently depending on who is making the definition. Right? So let's say, and again, we call a wall an abuser. So this is is usually another person. It could be yourself, but it's usually another person. And let's say that you and this other person um, define uh, reality differently. You define what should be differently. Um, Even after having a conversation, you both might perceive that conversation very differently. Um, It's it's a, a... not just a contradiction of self, but it's something that doesn't validate you, right? It's it's perfectly okay not to agree with somebody. It's okay to have a debate with somebody, but to demean somebody or to intentionally break down, devalue, hinder. That's what we're talking more about is the intentional uh, hindrance, the intentional uh, mental ab- abuse almost, Um you know a lot of times this this can be put down into either dominant versus submissive right most most relationships are not equal. let's just put that out there most most relationships and you can even see it in animals, but most relationships are dominant versus submissive. You see it at work, see it at home, and typically these dominant versus submissive relationships uh have a major difference of what they seek in the outcome, right? Why are they like that? Why are they the way they are? Usually the dominant wants control and the submissive wants peace. And then you start to think about what is the dominant controller willing to say to the submissive peacekeeper in order to maintain control? perceived control, let's say. And what is the submissive peacekeeper willing to give up or not say or change about themselves in order to keep the dominant controller happy or quiet? (laughs) That's what we're getting into today. By now, the litmus test to know whether or not you're going through this is if you're not in your head in agreement right now. Because if you are not in your head in agreement right now, that probably means you already get it. You have already questioned yourself in the past or you're currently asking, what's wrong with me? What was wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Maybe they're right. You know, maybe I need to change. What if I did this? If I did this, maybe they would be okay. If, if I had this personality, maybe that would be a self-improvement. Uh, if I liked this versus that, um, maybe my perception is wrong and maybe, maybe reality is completely different and I've just been looking at it the wrong way. Maybe I need to just, you know, shut up and, and do what they're telling me to, or see this the way that they're telling me to. You essentially begin to feel broken down As if your opinion does not matter or uh, is not validated and you begin to question your worth. And the worst thing about that is that, you know, at first, I think as a people pleaser, you seek approval, right? As a peacekeeper, you seek approval. And so when you find yourself in these relationships, at first, I, I don't think that it's the fact that you see yourself as wrong, necessarily. I think that you're just trying to figure out how to coexist with this person or how to please this person or how to compromise with this person. And the further you get in this relationship, two things happen, you 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 want to please them but you find yourself unable to and you're spinning your wheels. And they usually call this an empath, right? You're spinning the wheels and eventually you start giving little pieces of yourself to that person in attempt to gain that approval that you're seeking. And when you're knee deep in it, for some reason you're unable to see that you're never gonna be able to make this person happy. You can do method A, B, or C like we talked about last time and none of, the, uh, none of the above are going to be right. You're not going to achieve your goal. Something will always be missing. You will always do something wrong. You will never be enough. That's how this person makes you feel and yet you continue to try. When taken to the extreme, it can be called emotional abuse. You start to possibly alienate yourself from friends and family. Um, Conversations that just seemed simple before, suddenly you're confused. And you used to feel like you had some common sense and some wits about you. But the more this person feels that they have control of you, the less likely they are to want to lose you. What does that mean? What does it mean to have someone and not want to lose them? It means you want to keep that control, right? You're gonna find that your conversations start going in either perpendicular or circular motions. It's kind of like a meeting, right? You walk into a business meeting and that meeting can either be productive or non-productive. You walk in there and you talk about all the things that are are wrong. Uh, The conversation could start out talking about the computer monitor and what type you should have. And at the end, somehow you're fighting about the car. And you can't figure out how you got from point A to point B. Nor can you figure out how by the end of the conversation you're the bad guy or what you did wrong. These are called circular conversations. Circular conversations usually happen, and you have to recognize the differences. Circular conversations usually happen when someone is trying to create a distraction. Let's say they want to avoid a topic or they don't want to take the blame for something. It's out there. You both know someone did something wrong and you're going to call it out. Or let's say that there's just the elephant in the room. You know it. I don't even have to explain it to you, but you've got an elephant in the room and the person that you're talking to doesn't want to talk about it. So what are they going to do? They're going to talk about the zebra, the camel, the cat, but they're not gonna talk about the elephant. They're gonna do everything they can to piss you off about the other ones or to get a reaction from you about the other ones. They're gonna do whatever they can to move that subject or that conversation somewhere else. And a lot of times they can put it back on you by your reactions, right? We talked about that last time, responding versus reacting. Most of the time, this is facial expressions. Y'all, I can't stress enough. These facial expressions, uh, it's hard to control them. Half the time you don't realize you're doing it. Usually it's the most natural and pure response. If you want to know what someone really thinks, don't listen to their words. Watch their facial expressions. But on the flip side, if someone is looking for a reaction out of you or a reason to distract you, or a reason to go in a circular conversation, what are they gonna do? They're gonna call you out on your reaction. They're gonna call you out on your facial expression. I can say anything I want to you, but you better not make a bad facial expression in response. Because if you do, I get to say whatever it is I wanted to say, we're not gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about your facial expression because your facial expression is the problem. It's not what I said in order to to give you that facial expression. It's your reaction. So who wins or loses? (laughs) Who wins or loses these conversations? There is no winner at the end of the day, right? Because if there were really a winner, then both of you would walk away on the same page. Both of you would walk away with a better understanding of each other. Something will have been accomplished. But most of the time, if you're in one of these circular conversations, uh, it's a loss on both accounts. You both walk away with nothing. Uh, You've been, A, emotionally damaged by whatever it is that they said in the first place. Then you probably had a facial reaction and then you got in trouble for your facial reaction. Uh, or maybe you didn't respond the way that they wanted you to verbally. Um, So then you're going to start to have, of course, all of the feelings that come as a a result of that. Now let's talk about the difference, right? So that was a circular conversation. What about a perpendicular conversation? This is how it should happen. Two adults should be able to sit down, look at each other, and carry a conversation But half of the time, if you're dealing with a wall, a wall does not know how to have a conversation. (laughs) It's a wall. And we talked about this last time, the fact that this wall doesn't give back to you. I can know something inside and out. I can be passionate about it. I could have grown up with it. It could be me explaining my own mother. But I'm telling that to a wall. A wall, by definition, does not hear me. Therefore, it cannot constructively respond to me. But I expect it to. A perpendicular conversation would go back and forth. It means one person talks, the other person hears, listens, mulls over the information, and responds, right? Over and over again, back and forth. Whereas in the circular conversation, usually the wall is the only one talking. The wall is the only one talking. What's missing? What's missing is not just the fact that only the wall is talking. What's missing is the fact that you're not getting your feelings out there anymore. Right, you're being dictated to now. If you're not able to respond in a conversation, do you feel like a child? Do you feel as though perhaps your opinion is undermined or undervalued? Or maybe that person doesn't even care at all. There's there's so many different personality types that we could talk about here, and so you know, again, this is very generalized. Uh, but I think that if you're listening. And if you've stayed with us this long uh, and you're nodding your head, then you understand what kind of relationship this is. You recognize it uh, as a dominant versus submissive. And you understand that it could even very possibly be empath versus narcissist. There are, you know, we talked about missing elements, missing elements. But in addition to that, external Ingredients. In other words, what what caused this situation? You know, a lot of time, you know, they talk about narcissists who will love bomb at the beginning of the relationship, and uh, they want to know you inside and out, and they're the sweetest people. Truly, uh, you <laughs> you have those conversations those those uh, perpendicular, lengthy, personal, in depth almost a spiritual connection conversations, but at some point, um, those can turn. And there's so many different reasons that they do. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't claim to be an expert on the subject, but something's missing. This person who is acting as the wall and who is shut off, not only shut off from you, but shutting you off from them as well, this person is is hurting this person might be missing um, the type of childhood that they truly needed this person is missing some kind of personal fulfillment uh... maybe they're having an identity crisis uh... work isn't going well it could it could the list goes on and on it could be absolutely anything uh, but essentially they want you to be the fixer of this. You're the catch all. They can take anything out on you that they want. They can mold you into whoever they want. They have to be in control of something and you're it. Why? Because you're an empath and you care. Why? Because you're an empath and you love. You recognize, as I just said, that something's wrong, they are hurting. And the funny thing about this relationship is that you're feeding it. Why? Because you recognize that they're hurting. So what are you going to do? You're going to try to fix it. By fixing it, what do you do? You're constantly apologizing. You're constantly fixing. You're constantly cleaning. You're constantly doing. You're constantly changing. Whatever it takes to make this wall happy you are trying to do why because you feel bad for the wall because the wall is hurting you know there's a uh a 1944 movie i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's called uh Gaslighting, and it had charles boyer and ingrid bergman in it and it's the saddest thing this couple gets married they're very very happy and then all of a sudden things start happening that make this bride feel like she's Going crazy, he's turning lights on and off, leaving the faucets on. I mean, unbelievable mind games. Uh, And of of course, this is the extreme. But if you ever want to know what the extreme of these types of relationships with walls are. Just go watch yourself a movie clip of, of Gaslighting, the 1944 movie off of YouTube, uh, and you'll have a very quick understanding of, of what it is I'm talking about. Um, you, you start to feel like you're going crazy, but it's so subtle, and it happens so slowly over such a long period of time that even the smartest, strongest-willed person can find themselves there. And we know it's wrong. We know it's not okay. But the more we excuse it, the more used to it we get. And usually these um, these empaths or these um, feelers, these people pleasers are very strong. You know, they can take a lot. <laughs> They've got a heck of a backbone. And that's why this lasts so long. Uh, so not only does it happen slowly and you're in it before you know it, but then getting out is that much more difficult because by the time you figure out exactly where you are and the extent of what you're in, you're deep. You're deep. You're almost in the quicksand. And then you got to figure out where to go from there. You know, there's so many feelings that that can uh, induce uh when you're in that relationship on, on both accounts really. Um you know, we've already talked about confusion, about trying to you know, you could you could sit there and analyze a conversation that you have with this person. The conversation can go on for two, three hours. And afterwards you spend an additional two to three hours trying to figure out what in the world just happened. How about shame? You don't want to tell anybody you're going through this because to anybody on the outside, y'all, this sounds stupid. It sounds lame. Anybody on the outside who has not gone through this or does not know somebody who has or is going through this, if you don't get it, then trust me, you don't get it. It takes a true friend to sit down and recognize this for what it is. Because remember, if you're sitting down and you're talking to your friend and you're, you're starting to pick up on this sort of thing, you realize that this person has come to accept what was going on. Perhaps they have resentment. Uh, but as long as they're in that relationship, they're setting a precedence, right? There's constantly a war of logic versus feelings who is right? (laughs) Two, two people can sit down in front of a piece of fruit and have two completely different ideas about what kind of fruit it is. So, how do you recognize it? If you, if you don't recognize it based on what we've already talked of, let's, let's go over some phrases. You know we're talking about logic versus feelings people have two different ideas of what logic versus feelings are uh, I feel this way well what if that person doesn't validate it what if my feelings don't matter because that person doesn't perceive my feelings as A important enough or B factual you start to find repetitive phrases uh things like uh comparisons comparing that person to otherwise normal or uh normal people or people who have common sense uh what you should be or should do you would think that you would do this this and this why aren't you a b or c why didn't you do this shouldn't you do that I've even heard of people making you repeat back what they've said. Big, long speeches, heroic, beautiful, poetic speeches. And if anyone from the outside heard it, it would sound beautiful and it would sound very logical. And at the end, repeat it back to me. Almost as if speaking to a child. A lot of times, uh, this person will not allow you to talk back. So it's very possible that at the end of the conversation, they're going to say, read back what I said. I don't think you get it. I've sat here and I've tried to explain to you and you just don't understand. I'm trying to help you. Or I want to make sure that we're both on the same page. Tell me what I meant. And when you try to respond, you're cut off. Or if you deviate or disagree or want to shed light on uh, the same subject, but in a different manner, you can be shot down. And there's so many ways to be shot down. And you know what is respectful and what is not. Nobody should have to sit here, and I'm not going to do it. Nobody should have to sit here and explain to you what it means to be spoken to respectfully. It's instinct. You already know that. These types of relationships are based on disrespect. And when you finally get to that stage where you are not heard, and not only are you not heard, but that that person does not want to hear you, that's when you know that something must change for your emotional survival. Okay, if you're just joining the Mel's Podcast. Today we are talking about understanding your wall, emotionally abusive relationships, and how to deal with them, how to recognize them, and what to do next. Uh, We left off talking about being in relationships in which we are not heard, right? And not only are we not heard, but we feel as though that person doesn't even want to hear us. Uh, That Their opinion is all that matters. Uh, Their opinion is factual, and ours is not only faulty, but of little value. Uh, We defined that when you get to that point where you can recognize this is not a relationship, it's not give and take, this is emotional abuse. This is dominant. This is Closed. This is a wall. You are now in a relationship with a wall. So that's where we left off. So, what we're going to talk about now is what you can control and what you cannot. What in this relationship, if you're not allowed to talk, if you're not allowed to respond, if nothing you do is right or wrong, what is within your control? The first thing that is within your control is to evaluate this relationship. Is it necessary? Is it good for you? Can it change? How are you going to react to it? Right? So the first thing that I want to list as paramount is that if you find yourself in one of these relationships and you do not feel safe or if you've gotten to the point where your emotional state is just so broken and you don't think that this is going to change, you need to get out. I do not want to say anything in this podcast that is going to encourage someone to stay in an abusive relationship. Uh, There are many groups uh that you can reach out to Uh, i'll link a few of them below i also highly encourage you to start reaching out to your friends and family if possible quite possibly you've broken some of those links because of this relationship now's the time to to start again now's the time to reach out you don't have to explain what's going on you shouldn't have to explain yourself to anybody if you're if you find yourself in this relationship you don't want to talk (laughs) <laughs> and I get that. If you find yourself in this relationship, you're probably exhausted, and that's okay. Just take take the step to get out if you need to. So again, I don't want to encourage anyone to stay in a relationship where they don't belong or where, they're, where they don't feel safe. But let's say that you decide you do want to stay in this relationship, uh, that it does bring some value to you that perhaps... Um, Now, let me say this. I know that the empath is immediately going to say, but I can bring something to the relationship. I need to help this person. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You've already done that. You have fed this relationship. I'm sorry. You have fed this wall for long enough. That's not what we're talking about anymore. That was the first half of the podcast. (laughs) Now We're talking about you. I know that gets uncomfortable. You're not used to doing that. Up until now, it's been all about this wall. Up until now, you have been wrapping your life around the wall and the wall has not given back to you. So let's focus on you now. Let's uh, assume that you've decided for whatever reason that you want or need to stay with this wall. What is within your control? First of all, self-reaction, right? How are you going to change your self-reaction? You've already changed once, and you changed according to the wall's guidelines, right? But now this is for you. These are your changes. What do you want for you? Words and tone. Very important. Words and tone. You may have gotten to the point, again, where you don't feel like talking. You, have may, you may have become silent. That wall might be dictating to you, yelling at you. Uh, telling you you're not enough and you just say okay but I highly encourage the fact that when you're talking to your wall you're talking more so to yourself anytime you validate that wall you're telling yourself it's okay for that wall to treat you that way and it's not. Anytime you're quiet instead of voicing your opinion, you're telling yourself, not the wall, that your opinion doesn't matter. It does. So now your task is to learn how to talk again. Your task is to voice your opinion, to be heard and understood but not to cause conflict. I don't know. That's debatable. You probably already know that conflict is coming, right? There's a lot of ways to do it. Most of all, tone. You know, you really have to know your wall. Who are you talking to? Do you need to put in a little bit of humor, a little bit of sarcasm, Uh, body language, very important. Um, This isn't really something that I can tell you Exactly how to to act. Because really that's what the wall's been doing to you all along and that's what we want to get away from. What I'm saying is know your wall well enough and study your wall well enough, which I know you've already done, and learn how to not be quiet, but instead how to voice your opinion and stand by it. Don't take it back once you take back a brick keep it if you have taken a brick don't give it back precedence you're trying to retrain the wall that wall's been training you for how long And it might not even be that you're training the wall how to treat you, because maybe that wall will never, never treat you any differently. But what you are doing is retraining yourself and that's okay. Retraining yourself on what you deserve. Retraining yourself that I have a voice and any relationship that is worth having will hear my voice. I might be wrong. I might not be as educated as the wall, but it's my voice, and I'm allowed to be heard. Uh, You know, we talked about uh, the evolution of the wall and whether or not that wall is going to change, and most likely it won't. And quite frankly, you need to not even try to change that wall. (laughs) It's just going to be a waste of time. You already tried making the wall happy and that didn't work. So how do you plan on changing it? I don't know if you've got ideas, list them below because I'm all ears. Uh, but instead, know your wall and realize that you're the one making that wall as tall or as short as it is. How are you doing that? Adding and removing bricks. Adding and removing power, right? Voicing your opinion take down a brick. It's yours. That wall is a little bit shorter. Set your boundaries. Decide this before you run. Uh, Decide this before you stay. You need to know internally what your boundaries are. You need to discuss these, in my opinion, uh, with that person. At some point, as com- uncomfortable as it, it is, if possible, and I know it's not always, but if it's possible, sit down with this person and let them know, look, I, I see that I have not been voicing my opinion like I used to. I want to be able to do it in a respectful manner. I want us to be able to carry conversations, and here's what I need. They're, they might not appreciate it. They might not be open to it. Uh, it might cause a fight but if possible, put it out there. And if you can't, at least know in your mind exactly what they are, write them down. Writing or saying it makes it real. Uh, You need to, when you're doing this, define what those bricks are. What is your power and what is your weakness? These are your goals, right? We talked the other day about uh, the, the second goal just frankly being having a goal. Second goal is setting another goal. Figure out what those bricks are. Things that are going to make you happy. Things that are going to bring you back. Things that are going to uh, make you feel human again and that you're worth it. Sometimes having that conversation with your wall could be considered a goal. Maybe you're not ready for it yet. That's okay. You know better than anybody else. You know, like we talked about last time, the relationship that you have with your wall is your relationship. There is nobody else that's going to understand it like you do. It's not possible to explain it in full or as in-depth to anybody as you know it for your reality. Which means no one can truly give you advice. Outside advice is great. Don't get me wrong. Friends, family. uh, We usually think we can understand someone's situation in a blink of an eye based on what we know. But we don't know it all. So know your situation. uh, Know your bricks. Know your goals. Set some deadlines to them. If you've got some goals, decide when you want to accomplish them. Even if that goal is having the conversation with this wall, set a goal of when you're going to do that. If your goal is that you be able to carry a conversation by X date or you need to get out of there, do it, set a goal. Uh, Whether it's you going back to school, whether it is you taking that next job, uh, whether it is, you know, anything really running any any kind of an outlet that helps you redefine you and you bring back some sort of sense of self that's a goal but it needs a deadline otherwise you're going to continually have goals and not get anywhere uh silent truth uh can be a goal again you know you're writing out your goals even if you don't get to talk to this person write them down and by writing them down, you're going to have that silent truth. This, this wall can be talking to you, belittling you, doing whatever it is a wall does. And while it's going on and on and on and getting nowhere, you're looking past it or looking at it. And you're thinking, wow, I see you for what you are. And wow, I have rediscovered what I'm worth. I know you're full of it. I know you're never going to give it back to me but because I've recognized that I have some power. So that's silent truth. You're no longer playing the game. You're no longer a victim. You're not going to go around woe is to me and complaining about it. You're now in fix it mode. And it's not fix it mode for how can I fix my wall? It's how can I fix me? What am I doing for me? We talked about posture and perspective last time and living in your truth. And I truly encourage you, uh, you know, we talked about a lot today, uh, but I truly encourage you to explore what your truth is. We can't just say live in your truth and we can't just say, you know, that this wall is is trying to take away our truth or manipulate our truth without exploring what our truth is. Uh, What does that look like to you? Why does it differ from the wall? How important is it to you? Is it constantly evolving? Of course it is. But how do you find your personal truth? How do you live in it? That's what we're going to talk about next time. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, We have been talking about, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about the relationships between uh, dominant and submissive uh, and taking down one brick at a time out of those abusive walls uh, and taking back the power for ourselves. Uh, We look forward to talking to you next time on podcast number three where we start looking at what personal truth is and how to live in it.